Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome into another edition of Slow Your Roll. It is June 13th, 2022. In case you still didn't know the year for some damn reason, I am Dominic Lorenzano, alongside writer for the Yaki Wave Report, Jesse Caulfield, bringing you the action here today, guys. Uh, Celtics. Two apiece now. I feel like a lot of people thought they were going to win that last game. Vegas sure thought it. But alas, they dropped it thanks to a beautiful performance by Steph Curry. Nodded up at two. Now back to Golden State tonight. We will see what happens. We'll be talking about that game. The game before it and, you know, what we think about the series go far. Sox had a nice week, but now they are banged up injury-wise. We'll talk about that. Bruce Cassidy, the big firing, some of the biggest news. And we have plenty of other stuff on tap here today. Uh, But with that, I am going to turn it over to Yaki Wave Report writer Jesse Caulfield to get us started. Take it away, Jesse. Yeah, Yaki Wave Report writer. Not talking about baseball. No. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. We will later. Uh, this is awkward without headphones, I'm going to be honest. I know, it's weird, isn't it? This is weird. kind of almost rather have the muffles. Now, our producer, Robert, is not in today, so I am the producer here today as well. You know what I'm saying? Well, I'm <laughs> complaining about the product. <laughs> No, it's just we don't. I'll we don't, fire you. Then. We don't know how everything works. So now I'm I'm sitting here awkwardly without anything on my head, and I don't know what to do about it. Um, I'm probably gonna fiddle with it all the show. Anyway, Stanley Cup Finals. It's set. It's in stone. Set in stone. Yeah. And guess who got it right? You. I got it right. Now, obviously, I still could get the winner wrong. And honestly, the closer we get to it, the more I feel like I'm going to be wrong because nothing can stop this unstoppable force that is the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I'm just kind of here to brag about how right I was at this point. I hit 75% of the first round, 75% of the second round with my changed pick of the Oilers over the Flames. Maybe you should gamble more. Mm, no, because that's when I'm always wrong. You put I could make the most obvious pick in the world, but you put money on it and then just the wackiest, wildest thing is going to occur. Um, but I want to like, I want to just crap on those people that like thought the lightning weren't going to make the finals. Cause what the hell were you thinking? Like those people that picked, I thought they were going to make the finals the whole time. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> there was people that picked the Bruins, which is not, wasn't going to happen. Like I like the Bruins if they got past the first round, it's just that first round matchup was just so, so stacked against them. Never saw it coming. There's people picking the penguins and I thought they could maybe ride the old man train, but like, they couldn't beat the young kids in uh, in uh, New York. Some people thought the Florida Panthers, and um, no, I knew they'd be the best regular season team, and then I knew they fall apart. And I did I expect a sweep? No, I was kind of hoping for something more competitive because the Battle of Florida has been so good for the past two years. But whatever, they got swept. I was right about the Lightning, though. And let me give you some stats about these Lightning and why it was so obvious they were just gonna make the finals. Uh, even after they got down 0-2 to the the Rangers, everyone was like, oh, man, are the young, fast Rangers the key to beating the Lightning? No. No, the Lightning were just playing with their food. You know, they had a sweep in the last round. They were probably sitting for a while. That was probably the real problem. It's not the fact that their Rangers were that much better. They weren't. They weren't. They probably shouldn't have been there compared to some other teams, but whatever. But anyway, here's some Lightning stats. So the goalie, Andre Vasilevsky, who, like, you should have – so many people were picking the Rangers to at least force a Game 7. Mm. They're idiots. Andre Vasilevsky, in a chance to clinch, is just the greatest goaltender of all time. He has his last seven 
this is not count the one that just happened, but the seven prior to him having a chance to clinch, he faced 200 shots exactly. He allowed one goal. What? One goal. That's insane. That's a save percentage of 995. Goals against average of .14. Six shutouts in seven games. That's insane. That is... I, I can't think of a stat in another sport that could be comparative. I really can't. That's legitimately other than like ridiculous. John Lester pitching shutouts and clinching games. But know. even then he wasn't that good. Even then he wasn't that good. But this is the Lightning third cup appearance. They've won 11 straight series. Now Pat Maroon has won uh 15 straight series. The player, which is hilarious cuz he won with the Blues and now he's won two straight going for his third straight with the Lightning. And this is the third or this is the first uh Time a Stanley Cup or team has gone to the Stanley Cup three straight times since the Oilers did it from 1983 to 1985. Shows how long something like this has happened. I mean, in the age of salary cap, this is supposed to be non-existent, but here we are witnessing greatness. And actually, to be honest, the longer this goes, the more I find myself rooting for the Lightning. It's odd because you just see greatness like this, and I don't know. I can't hate it. It's so amazing. It's it, what they're doing is unprecedented. I mean, I like players like Stamkos and Hedman. And I just kind of find myself rooting for that team. I can't hate them as much as I used to. I don't know. Really? Although, I'm still going to root for the Avalanche because, hey, I do like different things. I'm getting sick of this in some ways on the other side of it. And I picked the Avalanche, and I want to be correct. Mm. Um, and we know the Lightning will be here next year, so, like, let's share the wealth. <laughs> um, here's another really funny stat that has nothing to do with anything. But Corey Perry has made this final. Um, this is his third straight final appearance. He lost to the Lightning two years ago as a member of the Stars. He went to the Montreal Canadiens. They miraculously made the finals last year, lost to the Lightning, so he said, I'm going to join the Lightning, and now here he is. This is his straight Stanley Cup finals appearance. But I, people are stupid. People really think that you can stop the Lightning. And maybe the Avalanche can. And I picked them too, so I'm going to say they are, and I'm going to stick with it because I'm, t uh, I'm just going to go with it. But... We are also blessed with one of the greatest Stanley Cup Finals matchups I've seen in a long time. Since probably uh, Bruins, uh, not Bruins, Blues. Blues. Blues shouldn't have been there, but they won anyway. Uh, probably since Bruins, Bruins Blackhawks, because that final was so great and so offensive. Uh, so I think it's going to be like that. A lot of goals. It better be a lot of goals. Mm. Or else, like, what the hell? <laughs> Like we are, we have two of the best offenses ever assembled in the past decade. We better see a lot of goals. Mm -hmm. So, all right, those are, that's my little thing about how I'm so correct about this Stanley Cup playoffs, and I just who has the better goalie? Oh, Tampa. Okay, Tampa. Vasilevsky is. I mean, the the last series. Well, with, that, those stats were just from clinching game, whatever. Yes. But like in general, is he the better goalie? Yes. Okay. Yes. No. Absolutely. Vasilevsky has been probably the best goalie in the NHL for years. I think Igor Shosturkin. The Rangers goalie probably surpassed him this year, but like you put you put a, you put a Vasilevsky in a clutching. There is no better athlete on this earth than Andre Vasilevsky. Andre Vasilevsky in a chance to clinch a series. That's the greatest athlete of all time. Okay, him in a clinching game. All right. So, do you think the fact that the Avalanche have sat this much is going to be a huge problem coming I into think, this series? I think it could be. A little bit. I mean, you look at the the Lightning. They came out a little flat in games one and game two from uh, sweeping the Panthers. It kind of always happens in hockey. It won't 
matter too much the longer the series goes. I mean, obviously, it's kind of for anything. But, mm-hmm. like, game one, it might matter. Game two, it might still matter a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I, I would expect a quick bounce back. It, I mean, the Avalanche are also going to be home. That helps. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it'll, it probably won't pay too big of a dividend. Okay. Because of how they are so young. Um, they are just so... They're just so dynamic offensively that I don't think it'll matter that much because they'll still be able to compete in games one and two. Who's the more physical team? These are both offensive, probably fast teams, but who's the, the more physical? It kind of sounds like everything's stacked in the Lightning's favor. I don't know why you still uh, well, think they've Colorado's going to win. I think, I think Colorado was the faster team. Okay. They have that. Um, here's the thing. I think the Lightning are also a better defensive team. They're a better all-around team because I think the Avalanche really lack um, – Especially size on the back end, okay, and that'll be a real, real problem when facing a team like the Lightning. You're right; this sounds really bad for the Avalanche, <laughs> but I still will pick the Avalanche because you picked them to start with. Because I picked them to start with, they are still like they are a great goal scoring team. That's that's they are a little bit not quite as bad as how Toronto was this season, but that's a good comparative team. And the fact that you're so stacked in the front end, you're lacking a little bit on the back end. You have a more stable goalie situation in Darcy Kemper than. Um, it's not Freddie Anderson. He left. I don't even remember. Mm-hmm. Peter Morazic was one of them mm. uh, for the Toronto. But I, I, it's so dynamic on the front end, and even like your defenseman, like Kale McCarr, such good at putting up points that I think even if the defense isn't there to start, it's rusty. It's a little all over the place. You'll still score. You'll still compete to make them close games, so you can overcome that. Mm. I gotcha. I gotcha. All right. I think we're good. So good. I think we're good on that. I, I'm going to watch some of those finals. Sounds like it's going to be a fun finals. It better be. But anyway, from that, guys, let's go to rapid fire news real quick. So the Sox went five and two over the week since we did the show last. Very good record. Unfortunately, now they are getting banged up with injuries as Kike Hernandez, Nathan Neavaldi, and Garrett Whitlock all go on the DL. We'll see how that affects things going forward. Not not a good time for everyone to go down. But. I did hear that Paxton is making some rehab starts already. I forgot about him. Well, he's really good. No, he is. When he's, he's healthy. Been re- he's been really good in the past. I just forgot he was even. I know. It's easy to forget that he was here because he never pitched last year. So it's like yeah. he was not on our team last year. So uh, sales not there yet, but <clears throat> I'm, I, is he throwing off at least flat ground by now? I think so. I think he was too. Well, I, he, I he put I out that him. video of him throwing with his right hand also. So he's doing, mm. he's doing things. He's doing things. Okay. He's progressing. So, but Sox are going to be a little shorthanded for the next couple of weeks. We'll see how that affects things. Also, in the big news, the Bruins fired Bruce Cassidy and nobody else. Uh, <laughs> that is, seems to be the bugaboo that everyone has about this firing. Not even just about defending Cassidy, but more just about, like, if you're going to get rid of Cassidy, why is everybody else still here? We'll talk about that. Um, also, Deshaun Watson, some more stuff came out. Texans were, what's the word? What's what's the word I can use? They were helping. Yeah, sure. Encouraging. Uh, accomplices. Accomplices. Uh, whatever you want to call it. I know there's a better word, but I can't think of it. But we're definitely. Bad influences? No, not bad influences. They were just, uh, what is it called? You're either stopping it or you're. Oh, bystander or you're privy to it. I don't know. I don't know. No, they were more than privy to it. You were they were they were doing things for him, you know, like 
They booking. were picking them up and dropping them off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were doing. They were doing a lot. They were helping it out. Um, so it looks real bad for Deshaun Watson. Everyone's crapping on Cleveland right now for doing this trade. I have my own thoughts on that, but we'll, we'll talk about that too. And the Tampa Bay Lightning, as you said, take down the Rangers in the last game, two to one. The final score: Tampa Bay advancing to the finals for the third straight season to take on the Colorado Avalanche. And also the Celtics won one and lost one to Golden State. I think a lot of people thought that after the impressive performance uh, in Game 3 that they would take Game 4, but it was not to be uh, as Steph Curry dropped 43 points in order for the Warriors to tie the series up, in which was a must-win game for Golden State. Absolutely. So... From that, that has been Rapid Fire News, and we will get into the Celtics-Warriors pre-gaming tonight's game and talking about last game. But I do want to start with a little thing here, okay? So, <clears throat> so Steph Curry drops 43 points in a must-win game for Golden State. That means he is the, the only player at his age to drop 40 points in a final. It's just him. Michael Jordan and LeBron James. I'm over the Steph critics. It's you're not you don't care about reality anymore. Even if Steph doesn't win this series, the Warriors are far more reliant on Steph Curry than the Celtics are on Jason Tatum. When Steph's not on the floor, Golden State doesn't function at all in this series. Jordan Poole can't run the offense. Marcus Smart and Derek White have both been able to completely shut him down. He was averaging almost 20 points a game. That's plummeted to 12 points a game. His field goal percentage has plummeted as well. When Steph isn't on the floor, Golden State can't even function. Even in the one game that they were blown out in this series, which was Steph's worst game, he dropped 31 points. Golden State is completely relying on Steph Curry. He is carrying the offense. And for everyone who wants to say, He's not the best player in the finals. He's not this. He's not that. It's ridiculous. He's the best player on his team in the finals. He's carrying his team. The fact that they're tied 2-2 is all because of Steph Curry. Because I'll tell you, no one else really is doing anything. Klay Thompson finally showed up last game. But that's the only one who's really done anything. Jordan Poole has continued to be shut down. Draymond Green might as well be playing for the Celtics at this point. He's been pretty awful uh, other than game two. And Jordan Poole really hasn't done much except for going off a little bit at the end of the third quarter and in the fourth quarter in Game 2, in which Golden State already had the momentum in the lead because Steph was going off in the third. So for all the Steph haters out there, the conversation should be over. He's, he's, he's a top 10 player, the best shooter of all time, and one of the best offensive players of all time. So, yeah, and Golden State is completely reliant on Steph Curry in this series. Like I said, even if the Warriors don't win this series, I don't think this should ding Steph's legacy. Unless he completely folds the rest of the series for some reason. And at some point, he might run out of energy because he really is the only thing carrying them. But yeah. And everyone who wants to bring up numbers, I hate I hate when they try and do numbers in playoffs. Especially in basketball. It's like, oh, you're telling me he's not as efficient and his field goal percentage isn't as good when he's facing, you know, the best teams in the NBA. Shocker. I'm so surprised that you can't be quite as perfect. Go look at Brady's numbers in the playoffs compared to his regular season numbers. And he's like the best playoff quarterback of all time. But his playoff numbers are not as good as his regular season numbers. Because you're facing the very best of the league. 
the bottom line is he scores points, he plays well, and when he's not on the floor, his team doesn't function. And especially now without Durant, you can say easily, whenever Steph has to hit the bench, it's time for Boston to make a run and come back or widen the lead wherever the game is at. But the Steph haters at this point, you're not interested in reality, man. It's just you're you're clinging to your take like Kellerman did for years about Brady off the cliff. So do you have any reaction to at least that part? Uh, I mean, I guess not really. It's I mean, just, like they really do, they haven't functioned in the series the minute Steph hits the bench. Yeah, like at all. Yeah, but I mean, this just ain't this ain't the Warriors teams of the past. It's not. They're older. They don't have the depths that they had. They're more banged up than past teams have been. Yeah, but the point was, there people were always like, "Well, he can't carry the team. He's carrying them in this series." Yeah. <laughs> And I well, here's the thing. You, you, I'm, the, the I'm just so frustrated with the Celtics. I almost feel like they're allowing him to carry them through the series. And obviously, like a player with that much skill, it's hard to stop. But like, I, I just feel like the biggest story is how frustrating the Celtics have been because you had an opportunity to really take a stranglehold in this series. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, I was everyone was saying like, just being on the streets mm-hmm. of that game. Like, oh, man, we're about to get control. I'm like, unless the Celtics pull away, like Golden State is winning this game. I said that <coughs> the entire game. Because you, if it's close halfway through the fourth quarter, Celtics are going to lose every single time. <laughs> this team cannot close out a game no, they to can't. save their life. No, they really can't. They really can't. And I put that up on the, on our social media and stuff, too. Not quite like that, but what I said was uh, when Boston plays their best— they still can't knock teams out. Golden State, when they play their best, well, that's the thing. knocks teams out. When they play that, when the Celtics play their and best, the Celtics can't close out, man. When the Celtics play their best, they don't have knock to knock a team out because they're knocked out halfway through the third, <laughs> and they don't have to care. Because that was the story of the regular season. Oh, they're just smashing all these teams. It's constant blowout after blowout, and every close game was an L. Mm-hmm. And it's been—I mean, they've been closer. Like you know, every series or every game in that Brooklyn series was actually pretty close. Yes. Um, and they won those ones. Yes. And uh, I mean, there was—I don't—not any blowouts I can really remember against the Bucks. But generally, the games that you won, you won pretty convincingly in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much the same way for Miami. You had some actually decent. Well, you had some blowouts. Game in that one, seven, they almost blew that lead. Yes, they did. And they dominated my and this is this was this was my major point, right? You could have a game like the Celtics had against the Heat in game 7 where they they were playing like their best basketball for like the first two and a half quarters of that game. Almost all three quarters, right? And yet they still don't put the game completely out of reach. When Golden State plays their best, they they end the game. They end teams. They get up so much that people can't come back. The Celtics don't really do that. And it seems like... No, not in the playoffs. If they play their best basketball at the beginning of the game, then that means they're going to have to hold on for dear life at the end of the game. Yeah. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, so much of it was... It's kind of the same story again and again. It's just that one one guy, you just can't stop. Mm -hmm. First was Giannis, Jimmy Butler. Now it's Steph. So... And like, yeah, now you're not playing those crappy teams all the time. So when you do get a blowout, it's not it's not quite a blowout. They're still just they're not that far behind you, mm-hmm. and that doesn't help them either because I think they'll they'll think, yeah, we're just doing this blowout thing again, and they'll get 
to relax, and then a Jimmy Butler or a Steph Curry will make it close again. But then last game, it was just none of that. It was just close the entire time. I mean, a great game to watch. But like in the, yeah. they had Celtics had three points in the last five minutes and eighteen seconds. Oh. That's not a winning formula at all. <laughs> uh, like you don't, you can't expect to win a close game with those numbers. Mm. Like it's, it's just not not possible. Not against a team like uh, the Warriors. Mm. Um, but actually, here's a, I have a couple stats here about how just how close this series has been. Mm-hmm. Um, so through these four games, obviously it's tied 2-2. The Warriors are leading in total points scored, 422 to 421. Wow. Yes. Both teams have hit exactly 64 three-pointers. Wow. Warriors have one more offensive rebound, 40 to 39. Warriors have one more takeaway, 60 to 59. And the Celtics have made seven more three throw, free throws than the Warriors have made. Um, free throws. Yes. Like, th- those are... Like, this is neck and neck. <laughs> no, it really has any, been. I've been, com- I've been completely wrong about how this series was going to play out. Um, I mean... No, I have. 100%. Do you feel the Warriors have been the better team? I don't know. I kind of feel like <laughs> the Celtics are the better team. Steph Curry's just the best player on the floor. I think the Celtics are the better overall team, especially I mean, where like, they are health Honestly, when we think about it, how can how can you uh, how can you uh, honestly argue anything else? That Steph is the best player? Not well, I guess both, but also just that the Celtics team has been way better than the Warriors. I mean, Who the- else has done really anything all that much for the Warriors at all? Well, that's the thing. Clay played good at the end of last game, but he'd been kind of a non-factor. The entire series. Poole has done almost nothing. I feel like the Celtics have had much more scoring all around. However, at the same time, the lows the Celtics have hit. Yeah, but they've done that all year with the turnovers. (laughs) I guess, (laughs) sure. Um, And just forcing threes that no one can hit. Yeah. Um, So I I have trouble saying the Celtics have definitely been the better team. Mm. Yeah. because I think the highs the Celtics have reached have been higher than the highs the Warriors have reached, but yeah, the the lows have been <laughs> so much lower. the The Warriors have been consistent, mm. and it's not been their best. It's been kind of consistently inconsistent, mm. but it's been the same thing pretty much. It's it's Steph going off, mm-hmm. and it's everyone else doing enough to stay in it. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's not a winning formula itself, especially this late. Um, but you're facing a team that loves to just give <laughs> games away. They can take them over and um, control I mean, the amount, them, but the they can of points, totally give the them away. The amount of points the Warriors score off Celtic turnovers in this series is like obscene. Yes. <laughs> and that's, that's and, what, and that's what makes way, the Warriors the, so good. Well, that's one of the things that I said that I worried about me about this matchup, though, is like the Celtics don't just miss shots when they go bad offensively. It's the turning the ball over. And the turning the ball over against a team as gifted as Golden State offensively yes. is just a death sentence. Yes, because they... I mean, they'll take those free points every time. They're yeah. not going to mess that up. Yeah, I truly think from what I've seen, the Celtics are the better team. Steph Curry's the best player on the floor. Mm. Actually, honestly, the best player on the floor for the Celtics has kind of been Jalen Brown. Yeah, offensively. Robert Williams has been 1A and 1B with Brown. Not offensively, but yeah. Williams' Williams' presence has completely changed what the Warriors can do offensively and has been part of why it's mostly just been Steph because he's taken away their ability to drive when he's yes. on the floor. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole drive in and then kick out game has completely been stopped. Williams is 
dominating this series. Yeah, it's pretty fun. Statistically, it's hard to to show, but Williams has been the number one game changer, I think. Well, you can just do it from the eye test. Yo, yeah, and just no, the, amount, the, amount of, the amount of highlights I've seen of him just swatting balls like yeah. 10, 10 rows back um, is hilarious. I know. Heck, he's swatting them so bad, he's swatting them off his own face sometimes. <laughs> um, but he's, no, he truly is just everywhere. Yeah, I know. Um, and uh, Marcus Smart had a couple bounce back games defending wise um, in Boston the past two. So that really helped. Because um, Marcus Smart was so bad in those first two games. Yeah, so bad. And he had some bounce back games there. Um, but it is kind of wild how, like, from game to game, it is generally a different player mm. that's making the biggest impact. I feel like Jalen Brown has been the most consistent. Tatum has not been, I guess, inconsistent. He's just kind of not been. He's just been mad. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which has been yeah. enough. And it's it's good that the Celtics do have a guy like Jalen Brown because, I mean, obviously Tatum was going to get the focus. He's, the, he's your most prolific scorer. So he should get the focus. But it's nice to have a guy like Jalen Brown. Now, they have a guy like Clay Thompson, but he's just he's just old, he's banged up. He's just it's just not it right now. No, no, he's not. And other than finally coming alive last game, he had done nothing through the series for the most part. Hit a big three uh, last game though. I did say you were he was never gonna be silent for seven straight games. No, no, that's that's ridiculous to think, but still he's his production has been sketchy. Yes. Um but Robert Williams has totally turned the Warriors into a jump-shooting team only. And that's why they've been so reliant on Steph really Curry offensively. Steph has been. Yeah. Clay has not, and Poole has been dreadful. Wiggins, a good game too. Wiggins, Wiggins has provided some offense when need be with some nice shots here and there. But uh, Jordan Poole, man, Jordan Poole was the one that was like the last X like key factor in this Warriors run because... He would be able to provide production and run the offense when Steph was on the bench throughout the playoffs. And like I said, he was averaging almost 20 points a game. Now, against Marcus Smart and Derek White, they have completely shut him down. And so the Warriors' offense just does not function the minute Curry has to hit the bench. And now it becomes, how long can Steph keep this up energy-wise? We saw Giannis. Eventually, it took its toll on Giannis trying to carry the team. Yeah, but Steph is... He's not going to get... He's not driving. Yeah, I, I understand. He's, he's that so much they less of a physical. They don't game. ask him to do the same things on the defensive end that they ask Giannis to do. Also, we even just saw offensively, like he can. Steph can shoot from everywhere. No, he can. He doesn't have to go drive to the paint to get those points. No. He can just. Oh, I'm right here. It's, as I can see, the basket. That's good enough. Mm. So I, I don't think this will take nearly the physical toll. Now, obviously, it's later in the playoffs. It's it's the finals compared to just round two. So I'm sure he is just more tired than. He has been previous rounds, stuff like that. But like, it just—I don't think see it taking the physical toll mm, that it okay. took on Giannis, because it's just the games are different. And he doesn't—he doesn't have to be physical. Yeah. Anywhere. That's true. Like, if he has vision of the basket, he can make a basket. He does. He does, and he doesn't drive to the hoop and get knocked around as much. No. He just doesn't have the size. Especially for that. now when Williams is on the floor. At this point, if you drive and you get past your man. You cannot drive to the basket with Williams there. You're going to have to pull up and, and shoot a little mid-range like no, pop-up he, shot. Williams wouldn't even have to jump <laughs> at that point to block it. I'm just get out of here. Yeah, I mean he really is dominating this series. Yeah, it's a shame he doesn't really put up points, but like whatever, he's he's our Draymond. Yeah, he's our Draymond. He's been he, better than their he's Draymond. He's our nicer Draymond. He's been better than their Draymond. Yeah. <laughs> well, he probably um, Green. You know, Green got benched in that fourth well, quarter, right? Green is so emotional, he, and Williams is so. 
He's had the same expression on his face since he was drafted, I swear to God. <laughs> he has not smiled, he's not laughed, he's not gotten angry. Mm. And that I that I mean that can really help a player. He's, he doesn't let his emotions get the better of him. If you made a bad play, he's like, whatever, I'm just gonna do it better the next time. It's but Draymond is he is you know, for the good and the bad, it's a very emotional guy. Mm. Um and that can get the better of him. I mean, did you see that little just clip? I don't know who took the free throw, and like Draymond literally like attacked Jason Tatum <laughs> after, and it's just like, what the hell was that? You weren't even going for the ball. You just jumped on Jada, or Jason Tatum's back. Oh my god! It was bizarre, and that's that's the bad side of having an emotional player. The good side is, yeah, they can get very intense. They can fire up the team. I mean, you say it's bad, but like. When you don't really provide a lot of offense, if you're in foul trouble, it's not the worst thing in the world. And what he does is he physically beats up the team in a way that the rest of the team can't do. Yeah, and that's all well and good. Um, I mean, you know, you can make a case it's bad because it can get the team in trouble um, on the court and stuff like that and giving out free free throws. But, like, sure, no, I understand that, like, all right, that'll take a toll, that gets people tired faster, that makes people question the moves they're going to make. It's like, oh, do I want to go in the paint because I'm going to get banged up a little bit? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not helping them right now. <laughs> it's not because he has been a turnover mess. Um, he's providing no offense, which really isn't new, but he's been a turnover mess, no offense. I mean... I don't even think he's doing great on the boards, even as far as grabbing rebounds. He needs to be Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Fifteen rebounds, no points. I, honestly, they'd take that. <laughs> but anyway, so tonight's game. What do you feel about tonight's game? Oh, I've had strong feelings going into every single game. The one I was wrong on was game one. Since then, I've been pretty much right on. I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. I don't either. Gun to my head, I would say finally the whole one, 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 one thing. Yeah. It's going to get broken up tonight and Golden State wins, but like I have no conviction at all in this game. I, I have no idea what really happens tonight. No, I kind of feel the same way of like, well, neither of these teams have lost two in a row. Someone's got a break eventually, right? Although technically, if the trend continues, we can go through this whole finals with no one losing two in a row and the Celtics still winning. You could, but you don't think Golden but, State, they were desperate last game, but you don't think they're still desperate now because they have to go back to Boston. No, yeah. Well, you have to thing. go back to Boston for game six. You really, you really, if you lose on home court, you now face elimination in Boston. Uh, how's the thing about that, though? I like the Celtics better on the road. No, I, I know. They have played, played better on the road. I know. Than I do at home. No, they really have played better on the road. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I, I kind of feel the same way. This this whole 1-1 one, one thing, someone has to lose two in a row. I think that's going to happen. I think the Celtics will lose tonight. Because I also, I trust Golden State. I trust a more desperate, I trust a desperate Golden State team more than I trust a desperate Celtics team. Mm. Uh, I just feel like how their veteran presence, their, their potential skill. Like, here's the thing. Like, if Jason Tatum has a bad game, like, yeah, this Jalen Brown, like Al Horford has shown, so he's been having some really good games in this playoffs. But if if Jason Tatum has a, bit, a bad game, the Celtics are in trouble. Big yeah. trouble. If Steph Curry has a bad game, Golden State's Warriors are in huge trouble. <laughs> Steph Curry doesn't have bad games in these situations. He hasn't he, yet. He just doesn't have bad games. He's dropped 30 points in every game so far. Yeah, like I, I would I would not bet anything 
that Steph Curry is going if this game series goes seven, I assume Steph Curry is going to have a good game all seven games. Mm. Like I, I just don't see that happening. I just mm. don't see him having a bad game. So, like I, I, I need. I want to see more out of Tatum here because like I don't trust Horford and Smart and Brown to keep it to keep it up and to keep them afloat. Like you, eventually, you're going to need Tatum here. You're going to need your guy, and he kind of just. I mean, he led your team in points last game, but it was only like 23 points, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you just need you need more out of Tatum. You do. And he's been – he's – and I like this. I like the fact that he's a guy who's willing to move the ball, but, like, I want the ball in his hand more. <laughs> um, he's just got to be more willing to take shots. He's got to be more willing to take a little, little, uh, little beating for it. Yeah, he does. Yeah, Jason. Jason really has. He's he's been he's been very very disappointing. It seems in this. He's in been this fine, but he, you need more. No, than, when you're you supposed to be the fi- best player well, no, on the team you need in more the than, finals. No, he's not been fine. No, you need but you need more than fine at this point. Exactly, especially if you're supposed to be the best player on the team. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like it's been right. fine, but we need more than fine. So, out of him. We both feel like not strong convictions, but if we have to pick, we're going to pick Golden State tonight. How about for the series? What do you feel like? Celtics and seven. You still have Celtics and seven. Celtics and seven. I I don't know because I'm looking at it, and the Celtics are the better team, and they the lack of Golden State's ability to score in the interior. I don't really see that changing much unless Williams gets hurt again. And they're just providing more offensively as a team, even without great play from their best player Tatum. You'd think that's going to turn around at some point. However, it still comes down to this. Boston can't close out games very well. No. Uh, And so I feel like even though I feel Golden State is completely Steph Curry reliant, the fact that Boston can't close out a game makes me go with the Warriors and their experience still. Yeah. I I feel that tonight, but I'm still saying Celtics and seven. Okay. Like just Williams. Even though almost everything else has changed my mind and made me think the Celtics are the better team. <laughs> well, it's the thing. That's like, crazy. I think they're a better team on paper. They have a more just well-rounded team. But, I mean, Steph Curry is so good. Klay Thompson has so much talent. I know he's a little old at this point. And the Celtics' situational basketball is just not that good. It's really just... It's, no. It's not. It may, like, <laughs> I have things I really like about Udoka. Like, he seems to really help the Celtics bounce back from game to game. I really like that about him. But at the same time, cleaning up a bad game is just not something he seems to have figured out yet. And he is a rookie coach. I'm sure that'll come. I don't know if that's on him. I think that's just on the core. I think that's on the players. And I think he's gotten the most out of the players since this is the same group we've been here for a while now. Yeah, but like... I just think that that's the last thing in them that it... You know, he hasn't had enough time to get out of him yet. And maybe he'll never get out of it because Tatum personality-wise is starting to worry me a little bit. He kind of says and does things that you wouldn't expect a LeBron or a Curry or a Jordan to say and do. He kind of loses confidence and will just stop shooting if he's not on that night. I mean, yeah, there's just some odd quirks here with this team that I don't know if there's things you're going to get out. Yeah, I mean... Tatum is not your typical superstar. Marcus Smart will make you throw up uh, because he the roller coasters that he goes on. Yeah. No, I don't. No offense to them, but it's just, sometimes I really don't like Marcus Smart. No, I know. It's a it's a Jekyll and Hyde act sometimes. All right. 
So no conviction, but we're both going Warriors tonight. You have still have Celtics in seven. Yes. I probably have Warriors in seven now. So okay. with that, guys. Williams, please just stay healthy. Just that three more games. Just three more, three games, more games on games, that man. knee, Williams. That's all we need. All right. So, guys, we're going to take a quick break before we get into the next big news of the Boston area, the Bruce Cassidy firing. Stick with us, guys. Time to do the, the bad parts of the job. But get this video started. The Bruins. They made a change. They fired their head coach. And I had mixed feelings about Bruce Cassidy. There's some things I really liked about him as a coach. There was clearly they had trended in the right direction when they fired Claude Julian and went with Bruce Cassidy. You know, he went from a sub five hundred team to a above five hundred, made the playoffs, lost in the first round, but you weren't gonna go anywhere. Uh, and then it was up and up and up from there. He made a cup final. But I'm not mad that they fired Bruce. I'm mad that that's all they did. And that seems to be the standard here. Like, a lot of people did want to see Bruce Cassidy go, a change. But only if they also fired Don Sweeney. Many people also want Cam Nilo to go. Um, and I wouldn't mind that at this point either. I don't care. He's a legendary Bruin. Um it's so much of the, I mean, it's a problem all throughout hockey. The boys club. Oh, we just hire our friends. We keep our friends around and we fire the odd man out. That and sounds Bruce, like the Dallas Cowboys also. <laughs> yeah. I mean, here's the thing. It's a sports problem, but it really is a hockey problem. That's why we have, it's literally called the boys club. We have a phrase for it. And I mean, I also don't have as many problems with Don Sweeney as a lot of other people do. I think some of his moves have been really good. Some of them have been terrible. He seems to not be able to handle free agency or the draft, which is like the most important parts. But this man can this man can do trades and resigns. That's about it, um, which has value. Mm-hmm. So it's not even so much like there could have been changes. There could have only been subtle changes here and there. But you brought. No one into the front office to help out with this whole drafting idea, to help out with this whole um, signing thing, uh, better handling your money. Because the Bruins have been stuck up against the cap for like what feels like a decade at this point, yet we're never any closer to that Stanley Cup. There, yes, there was that final against the Blues, but to be honest, you were helped out by the Blue Jackets sweeping the greatest regular season of all season team of all time in the Lightning and the Carolina Hurricanes beating the Islanders and the Capitals like those were two good teams so three of your part, hardest um, 
competition to get to the finals were already taken out for you, and then you just had to deal with Columbus and Carolina, which I know Carolina's gone leaps and bounds from where they were, but at the time they were just kind of happy to be there type of thing. But now we're stuck with this boys club. We're stuck with Cam Neely, and it really comes down to he just missed the list. He was on the, the what are they called? Honorable mention, but, I mean, Jacobs, Charlie Jacobs up there. Hasn't made a public statement about the team since 2019. That was talked about. This man just doesn't care. He gave the power to Neely and just lets whatever happen happen. Oh, if we make enough, we make a profit. If we make the playoffs, I'm not going to question it. I don't care enough. And that's that's where it really stems from. That's the real big problem. We can't We can't get past this point because it's always just good enough that we don't have to we don't have to make any drastic change. And that's not a winning mentality. That's not. That's a just good enough, just to get over the hump mentality that's never going to win you cups. That's a, that's a, let me stay on the edge of relevancy. Yeah, no, that's, that's what it is. And the only reason Cam or them would get fired, if you have a couple years of missing the playoffs, well, then they'll get fired probably. But, like, we could have dealt with it before we get to that point. We could have dealt with it years ago at this point. Um and it's like it's I didn't like I said I don't need these drastic huge changes. I'm fine with Bruce Cassidy staying. I'm fine with Cam Neely staying. I would even be fine with Don Sweeney staying if you brought in other people to say we're going to have a little change in culture here in the front office. Have guys that break up the boys club. Have guys that say, "Hey, that's stupid. We're not going to do that." Instead, you just gave a scapegoat. You fired Bruce Cassidy. Now, I want Barry Trotz. There's no way the Bruins are going to pay for a man like Barry Trotz. I was about to say, you know if Jacobs ain't going to pile out that money. They are not talking anything like they want a guy like Barry Trotz. They want to go the opposite direction. Part of the reason people had a problem on the team, the players had a problem with Bruce Cassidy, like Jake DeBrusque, uh, Pasternak apparently did, uh, David Krejci apparently did. They don't like how much of a hard ass he can be. Now, personally, I have no problem with that. I'm a big fan of Bill Belichick, so I don't really have a problem with that. But... They haven't voiced that. They didn't say they're with the players. They voiced the fact that he he can't develop. Bruce Cassidy can't develop. I don't blame him. Do I blame him for people like Jack Studnika not being a stud? No. Do I blame him for Zach Sinishin not working out? No. These aren't good picks. Anton Bleed. Oh, is he supposed to be a stud and I didn't know? No, I bet he's not going to be a stud. I bet McLaughlin is not going to be a stud because you don't draft well enough. No crap he can't develop because you're not giving him anything to develop. He developed Pasternak, it seemed. He developed Carlo. I have my problems with Carlo, but he seemed to develop that. He seemed to develop McAvoy. You know, the obvious ones. The slam dunks. The the ones we knew that any coach could develop. Again, I don't think Bruce Cassidy is maybe the best developer, but you didn't give him players to develop other than the three easy ones, the three slam dunks. And those, those worked out, I guess. So it's not Cassie's fault. You also fired Claude Julian for the same thing. He can't dra- he can't develop. He can't connect with these young players. So you brought in the Providence coach and Bruce Cassidy, and apparently he couldn't either. He was the Providence coach working with these young players before. But no, we can't do it now either. Maybe it's because you can't freaking draft, bro. Uh, the, I was going to say, what's the common thread here? <laughs> yeah, you can't. Draft, like I said, I don't think Anton Bleed was going to be that special. I like Jake DeBrusque, but I don't think he was going to be anything that special. I think he could hit thirty goals, but that's kind of a dime a dozen nowadays. Um, and like you're talking about bringing in, you're talking about doing the exact same thing 
Oh, we're just gonna move off our Providence. I can't remember his name. I think it's Beecher. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, he's young. He's savvy. He connects with these young. He's with these young kids just because of his age, and he worked in Providence, bro. That didn't work with Bruce. So try something else. Go in a new direction. But the Bruins aren't going to do that because they're the boys' club, and Cam Neely won't allow it. And Charlie Jacobs doesn't know enough. He's just like whatever. He doesn't. Every Patriots game you watch, at some point, the camera cuts to Robert Kraft sitting in his booth watching every game. Now, it doesn't really happen every game, but a lot of times the camera will cut to, we're very critical of him, John Henry, being up there watching games. Mm -hmm. We think he is a little too far out there caring too much about his European soccer teams, but he's still present. Mm -hmm. He's still there. He'll still publicly speak pretty much every year. Yeah, multiple times a year. At least I hear from him at least once a month. Mm-hmm. I feel. Um, actually, the Celtics owner is not that hands-on. I don't hear from him much. Mm. Dan, you remember his name? No. Um, but he's not that hands-on. But the Celtics don't have these problems. They don't have this boy club boy club problem. The Bruins have that. Now I think there's a problem. And the Celtics aren't afraid to make changes. No, obviously. No, they're not. They kept getting the Eastern Conference Finals and playoffs, and they said, mm, "Not good enough." Brad Stevens, get out of here. We got to make a change. I mean, they said get out of here, get off the bench, and just go to the yeah. go be a GM. But they made changes. That doesn't well. I I don't think people would think Brad Stevens was incompetent. It was no. just he's not the guy that the players are going to listen to to get to the next step. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. But and there is a problem. I mean, across sports of owners that are too involved. That there's just too many things. They're just Dallas. yes. They're just too involved. I mean, uh, I think the Angels are another good one. Yeah. Of uh, just people just putting their fingers in places they have no business being, putting their nose in things they have no business doing. Um, but on the other end, there are just the owners that don't really pay any much attention. As long as there's money coming into their pocket, well, then they don't need to pay that much attention. They don't need to look into anything. Mm. I'm making a profit. And that's not good enough. You can make a lot more money, you know, if your team is great. I bet Tampa Bay, Lightning, I bet they've made a lot of money mm-hmm, these yeah. past three years. I bet they've made a lot of money for the NHL these past few years, uh, despite the fact that they're from Florida. Mm. But success brings people. Success brings uh, passionate people that are willing to spend their money. They're more willing to pay money for exorbitant ticket prices. They're more willing. I hear the thing. I bet Tampa's ticket prices are probably still less than the Bruins, despite all this recent success. I can't confirm that, but I bet it's true. I'm not recording still. I was going to say, are you still recording? No. No, this would have been like eight minutes. <laughs> I know. But I'm just talking to the camera because I don't know where to look. No, I get you. Um, but, like, you need you need your uh, owner to care. You need him to be involved. Not too much. Let let the men he hired do his thing. But when it's very clear that it's not, they're not doing when it's very clear that all that's happening is the tires are spinning the same yes. as they always have, but nothing's going anywhere, yes. then it becomes time as an owner to step in and say, all right, now it's time to make a change. I think owners should be involved only when it becomes time to make a big swing and a big change. That's the only time owners should be involved, in my opinion. I wouldn't even go that far because I feel like Robert Kraft is not involved with a lot. But, but he's, he's the best coach of all time. So. But he's present. Yeah, he he's constantly. Present, he has a relationship with every player on that team. Mm-hmm. Um, 
all the people that play for him love a guy like Robert Kraft. Mm-hmm. He is very personal with the players. Um, you have to be in the building to see what's <clears throat> going on, even if you're not taking action. That is true. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I mean also then once you do take action, your action is going to be completely out of touch if you're not in the building. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. hundred percent. And I feel like a lot of these owners, as long as they make a profit, they're like, this is okay. Yeah. However, I feel like if the profit is stagnant and unchanging, you should probably still make a change. Probably. Because that means you're just spinning the tires. <laughs> Nothing is going anywhere. It's like, all right, you're doing the bare minimum at that point. Yeah. There's a lot of NFL owners who are like this. Yes. Yeah. And it's gonna it kind of sucks that we have an original six franchise because now the Jacobs can get away with something like this. Mm. Because while well, the Bruins will always just make money. They're original six franchise, they're one of the most profitable in the NHL. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't have to care that much. They'll just make money. Even on the years they suck, they still make money compared to some of the even the better teams. Mm. Which is a problem because you don't have an incentive to then Keep trying because your profit will always be there. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Bruins are spinning the tires. Nothing is going to change because all you did was fire the coach once again for the same reason you fired the previous coach, but everybody at the front office is still here. Yes. And the one. Problems usually start from the top down, not from the bottom up. Mm. That was good. Yeah. And like the, the only way I can say like, all right, this is all fine going into next year is if you give me Barry Trotz, but it's not looking good. No, they're not going to spend that kind of money. All right. From that, the Red Sox, 5-2 and two over the week, but we have problems. Houston, we have a problem. A lot of injuries over this week, and they happen, unfortunately. They've happened to the pitching staff, to two of the probably best pitchers on the staff right now, with both Garrett Whitlock and Eovaldi going down. I'm more concerned about Eovaldi's, uh, even though it doesn't sound as bad as Whitlock's. It's just because we all know that of Nathan's history. And once you have one thing, especially inflammation can be a weird thing where it's like it never really goes away. Um, I'm very concerned about Nathan Eovaldi's. And there is help on the horizon for the Sox, but it is still a ways off. So how do you think this is going to affect things going forward? I'll be honest, the Kike one doesn't concern me all that much. He's, he wasn't playing that well anyway, and I think you can replace Kike's production for a short amount of time. Give Duran another chance. Uh, funny enough, they have not called, recalled Duran yet. We'll see if they will there. eventually. We have Ref Schneider instead, who has played well, actually, in his limited time so far this season. Made that amazing catch. He did. He did make that amazing catch. Um, let's talk about the pitching. <clears throat> Hauk, Again. Hauk, unfortunately, has been closing recently. Can that maintain? They called up Cutter Crawford. He made a very nice start yesterday. I actually don't mind Cutter Crawford. I know the numbers haven't been there, but when I watch him, I feel like he should pitch better than he does. So we'll see. But with both Whitlock and Eovaldi going down, what are the options, you think, for the Sox at this point? Uh, Well, here's the thing. You say Hauk has been the closer recently. I like that. I do, too. If you're going to put him in the bullpen, okay, You'd be the eighth and ninth inning guy. All right. All right. That's okay. But, I mean, I'm going to give you some... Uh, I mean, we've talked about this multiple times. Mm-hmm. But, like... And I'm, I'm kind of not surprised this happened to Whitlock. Because you give you give a guy that's just kind of... Been a bullpen guy. 
yeah and you give them an increased load like this happens like all the time uh but in 39 innings as a starter whitlock has a 4.15 era that's not bad it's not awful but as a reliever which is only nine and two-thirds innings his era was 0.93 so clearly he should be a bullpen guy which we've voiced in the past yes um but like I mean, I'm not really that concerned about both. None of them seem to be... They're both 15-day DLs. Mm-hmm. Um, none of them seem to be that... Ex- uh, going to be that extreme. I am, yeah, more concerned about Evaldi because of his injury history. And he's older. Um, and he's just so fragile mm-hmm. uh, with who he is. But, like, this doesn't concern me that bad. It concerns me for, like, in the next week or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like... I mean, Whitlock haven't like Whitlock out of the starting rotation anyway, so you know maybe this will help. Just give him some time to rest and rethink things and whatnot. Um, but you know, Ivaldi himself. I mean, he's been good, but he still had that. Uh, he still got that home run issue. The home run problem, yeah, the long ball. So honestly, I'm still I'm not that concerned. Okay, you get Pavetta going tonight. He's your hottest pitcher on the planet right now with Nick Pavetta. Mm-hmm. Um, the bullpen has actually been pretty good recently. Now, there's been some games where they have blown them. Like, it seems like they're shut down or they're just terrible. Oh. <laughs> um, there's such a yin and yang with this team. Um, but I, yeah, like I said, I'm not that concerned. But I'm not you, that concerned right now. What do you think is the options right now, though? Uh, I just, this Cutter go. Crawford, who made a start. Do you think they go with they now they just used Hawk, but they used them in the same game as Crawford. So you could throw Hawk back into the rotation, pitch him in the spot that Crawford was going to pitch and have Crawford start the game after that. Do you think they will do that or do you think they might call, recall uh the kid that they got in the Royals trade? I forget his name now, but um that's the only other option I really see. Paxton, James Paxton will be back at some point here. He's still making rehab starts. Um, actually, I don't know. Has he made a rehab start yet, or is he scheduled for his first one? I know he's been throwing, though, and he's thrown off a mound at least. So Paxton is on the way. Uh, sales, sales still a ways off. I'm thinking sales not back till maybe after the All-Star break. Uh, you think it's be all the way to the All-Star break? I think so. Man. I mean, I'm not thinking about Chris Sale at all right now because their eyes just... Pull up the schedule it's, real it's quick. Such... Who do they have? Who do they have over the next two weeks? Uh, I got the Cardinals next weekend. Well, it's this weekend. No, next. Oh yeah, duh. <laughs> well, they're home against Oakland for three games. That's Very pretty. nice. Uh, home against St. Louis. Home against Detroit. Very good. And then next weekend they're away in Cleveland, Toronto, and Chicago. Okay, so that's a bit rougher. Chicago Cubs. Okay. That's a bit rougher, but nothing too crazy on the horizon other than Toronto, who's been pretty hot. Um, I'm just wondering how they're going to piece this together. Do you think Hauk comes back and makes a start, or do you think they call somebody else up for Ooh. AAA? I know they just recalled Valdez, which makes me think they're going to have Hauk start. Because if you're going to call up another guy from You Worcester, might have to. Wouldn't you think that they would have called up a starter? Yeah, but I mean, I just looked at the 40-man roster, and I'm like, I don't know who you would call up anyway. Well, you'd call up the kid that they got in the trade from the Royals, who already made one start this year in the doubleheader. That's the only one I can think of. Which one is he? 
I don't even know which one that is. <laughs> Starts with a W. Michael Walker. Oh, jo uh, Josh Win. Yes. This guy way down here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But with calling up Valdez, that makes me think Hauk's going back into the rotation, at least for the next week or two. Yeah, I'm going to go with probably that because, yeah, that start went awful for this dude. For this <laughs> Josh fella. What? That start, that start went awful for that Josh fella. I know, but it was, his, it was his major league debut. They're always nervous for that. I guess, but give him a year for his next one. What? Give him a year for his next one. Yeah, a year? <laughs> I mean, you know, you gotta have him pitch out of the bullpen at least. Eh, maybe. Yeah. Um, so, uh, it seems like they might be able to survive this storm at least for a week or two. Without I'm, everything. Sure I'm sure it won't be that bad. Because, like, it is, I mean, it's two starters out of your rotation. Um, so, that's that's really bad. You know, if it was just one, I wouldn't be like, I really would be like, eh. Mm -hmm. But it's... It's a guy that should be in your bullpen, mm -hmm. and it's your... And it is your frontline guy, though, any Evaldi. <laughs> it is. Um, and I'll be honest, if Evaldi ends up being out for longer than we think, I don't think they can survive that. It. I mean, if it's... Yes, if it's longer than that, then I think you are in could be in some real trouble. Mm -hmm. um, but, like, I, I've been pleasantly surprised by Pavetta. Walker's been great. Mm -hmm. um, Rich Hill's been good. Um. And he, yeah, if they move Hulk back to the rotation for this week or two, I'd, I'd be okay with that. I'd be then really, really concerned about the bullpen. <laughs> but you got to do what you got to do. Well, Hansel Robles is back. And how did that go? <laughs> that's another topic. Um, I think, but I still think that's at least helpful. Because I can be with Barnes pitching himself to the unemployment line and how having to go back into the rotation. As terrifying as it sounds, Hansel Robles is probably the best guy you have in that pen. I know Schreiber. I know Schreiber's been his guy, but I feel like Hansel Robles is the best one, at least with the track record. You'll probably. I mean, you know, maybe they'll question it after but that you're last blown save. But but you're probably back to sort of piecing things together as a closing spot. I would guess. I don't think it's just Robles's job. It might be his to lose at this moment. Maybe. But that was a bad first step. <laughs> <laughs> it was. But it was right back off the DL. Yeah. So. In conclusion, I think the Sox can weather this storm. If you have all these out for any other length of time, I think they're in a lot of trouble. I'm interested to see what they do with Paxton when he comes back. Um, obviously, what they ask him to do in his rehab assignments will probably show their hand and tell us what they think about doing if they're having him join the rotation or having him be a reliever. I'm cool with either one as long as Eovaldi is back. Obviously, if Eovaldi's not back, I, you probably, Paxton, probably, you just have to throw him into the rotation. Uh, I prefer, I'd like him in the rotation so you can get Whitlock out of it. That too. Now, you know, a lot of times they'll put him um, in the bullpen. But the difference is, so ease him back into it. But which I'll also I'm sure they would like a more reliable left-handed guy to come out of the bullpen, though, and that's what they would use Paxton as. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> so um, if Eovaldi is sale, yeah, it's not for a while. Um, if Eovaldi is back, I would expect Paxton to be in the bullpen at least for a little bit of time. Um, but if Nathan's not back by the time James is ready, James is going to have to go in the rotation. 
I can find like nothing recently. But I'll be honest, if Nathan's not back by the time James is back, we're in trouble anyway. Because <laughs> James is probably still 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 a bit of time off. Yeah, I'm finding like no recent stuff about him. About Paxton? Yeah, making progress. I mean I found a couple things where like it's just like, hey. I thought he was on rehab assignment. Um this article from four days ago. Uh, saying nothing of the sort. Oh, gosh. I mean, it's saying like he's working. Okay. I mean, it just says he's still rehabbing, but it doesn't say if a rehab starts. Okay. Oh, apparently he's been throwing bullpens in April, since April, though. See, there you go. That's a long time to be throwing bullpens. I, I feel like... I feel uh, like... June 6th, he was throwing from 120 feet. Okay. He's on his way. Yeah. Yeah, he's on. he's on his way. <laughs> Now, that's a good sign. That's more than Sale is at right now. Yeah. So, all right. But Sale, Sale's injury is, it's a broken rib. Yes, I know. So Paxton's has surgery. Yeah. I know. I want to know. They never released how he broke that rib. <laughs> what did you do? I know, right? I mean, he is such a skinny guy. Did you, like, cough too hard or something? <laughs> uh, all right. <laughs> that's fine. All right, Sox need to weather the storm without Eovaldi and Whitlock here. I think Cutter Crawford's probably the option at this point. How probably going to go back into the rotation. We'll see what they decide to do, though. All right. So we like to crap on LeBron quite a bit sometimes. <laughs> I want to give LeBron credit for something right here, though. And, and, and not even just LeBron, but let's just talk. We talk so much about the sports, the rosters. Let's talk about... The other surrounding things, the money, the business, the location where you're at. LeBron James talked about how he wants to own an NBA franchise when he is done, and he would like it to be in Vegas. And I'm going to have to say this right now. LeBron, that's smart, and an NBA team in Las Vegas would be an absolute home run. It'll work. If hockey's going to work in Las Vegas, an NBA team will work. Um, with political polarization... If you live in a left-wing state, it's not going to get better. It's going to get crazier. And if you live in a right-wing state, it's not going to get any better. It's going to get crazier. Vegas has no state tax. Absolutely lovely for business. That's one of the reasons so many people are moving to Texas. Um, So that would be great. It would be super attractive to NBA free agents because no state tax. And then also the life. Income tax, right? State income tax? Yeah. Yeah. And so you can mean like sales tax. Yeah, no, 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 no income tax. Um, and from so that's better for an NBA player money wise, right? It's still out west though, so good, good weather, at least better weather. And then also just the city of Vegas, it will be so attractive for any young star, any NBA player. And with sports gambling coming as big as it is, it's a multi-million dollar franchise now already. The stigma is gone. Uh, the opportunity for money there is huge. And can let's be honest about something. How many NBA cities are truly that attractive for players and business in general, right? New York, but both of those franchises are masses. Brooklyn doesn't inspire a lot of love from anyone. No one really cares about the Nets. 
The Knicks have had terrible ownership forever, so people don't want to go to the Knicks. There's California teams, which have their stars usually. The Clippers are an afterthought. The Lakers aren't well run. And Golden State is all set with Steph Curry, right? So Sacramento Kings. Irrelevant franchise. <laughs> completely irrelevant franchise. And you have to deal with the taxation of California. How many truly attractive NBA cities are there really? Boston. No, it's not. Boston is, Boston is not that attractive for free agents. It's not. It's not it's, as big as a market as people in Boston think it is. It's completely insular. And weather-wise and culture-wise, for some reason, Boston has a very bad rep. It's not as attractive. Oh. The Celtics have a great history, but Boston is not as attractive as you think. I'm not saying it's terrible. It's not it's Oklahoma. So it's not Oklahoma City, but it's not as attractive as you think. What's wrong with the culture? Unless you're a fan of a different team, what the hell would you have a problem with the sports culture here? And we have a reputation for some things I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to be political. Oh, like the N-word? Yeah, stuff like that. Um, I guess. Eh, right, Tori, the NBA, you know. They, Tory Hunter over here. Exactly. But it, it's it's a real thing as far as All right, I won't being talked about it in one, the NBA stuff. But So what are the truly attractive places for free agents in the NBA? Miami. Miami. I guess Dallas and Houston. Philly? If Philly has a lot of the same issues as Boston. <laughs> and the Bulls haven't been really well that well run either, and they're not a good team right now. There's not that many super... Toronto Raptors. No, <laughs> absolutely not. Uh, there's really not that many truly attractive cities for NBA free agents. Charlotte or Vegas would be an absolute home run. All right? The only issue I have is LeBron... Needs to stay out of the GM stuff. He hasn't been good at that as a player. I don't think he's going to be any better at that as an owner. If he could just stay out of that field and hire experts and let them do their job, he would have massive success with an NBA franchise in Vegas. Detroit Pistons. Is that a joke? Who wants to, who wants to move to Detroit? All right. Give me, your take. Give, me your, give me your take on this. First off, you're, you're, you're trying to come back with me at cities. There's not that many. There really isn't. Uh, I mean, there's many great sports cities, but sh- I guess when you list out the basketball ones, it's just like, does, does New Orleans care? No. New Orleans doesn't care at all. Do, they can never keep stars in New Orleans. Do they, do, was it the Memphis Grizzlies? <laughs> it's Memphis. Come on, man. Um. I feel like if it was in Nashville, that would honestly Are the Charlotte be more Hornets attra- still a thing? Yes. Okay. That's no, not attractive at all. Um, I mean, Charlotte is a growing market. Orlando growing- Magic. No. Florida. Listen, Orlando, fine. As far as lifestyle, city, all that kind of stuff, not terrible. Dallas. I already said Dallas. Okay. The truly only, I feel, A, a places to go. Right? Where we have Seattle Supersonics, market, weather, and franchise are Dallas, Houston, Miami, and Golden State. But Golden State has Steph Curry, so you're not even going to be the number one there. Here's the thing: I think still the Clippers are second fiddle. The Lakers have terrible ownership. Sacramento I don't think that matters to the players. Sacramento is irrelevant. It does matter a little bit. Sacramento uh, basketball players. Sacramento is irrelevant. Then why can't the New York Knicks get anybody, dude? Well, because the Knicks have been so irrelevant forever. It's like, why would I go there? 
Here's yeah, the thing. But that Durant, part of that's ownership. Durant and what's his face were gonna go there. I don't know why they chose Brooklyn. Okay, instead. but why would but but we're gonna go off Kyrie and Kevin Durant's decision making for the rest of the league? Come on, man. They're weird. They're out there. They're not like everybody else. Yeah, but like they're I'm sure players were willing to go to New York and be with the Knicks. If, I'm not saying people aren't willing to, but I'm talking no, about true a home run. When you look at all the categories, the only the ones, I, the I, only ones are Golden State, Houston, Dallas, no, Miami. I can't not consider L.A., New York, and Boston. Like they, the cities themselves just make them. The Bulls, Chicago. It seems like they can't attract anyone though. I guess. I think I think they they haven't really been well run. They've been kind of irrelevant I don't since think Jordan, and you'll have to deal with the whole mystique of Michael. And I don't think it's stuff. the team's problem or fault. I think it's the culture of the players. Well, if I don't have anyone to play there, I'm not going to go there, and then no one goes Listen, there. I'm not saying we're not here to, to to debate on whose fault or whatever. I'm just saying why Vegas is a home run right away. Okay, here's why Vegas isn't a home run. Okay, fine. Tell for me why Vegas is not for a home the run. NBA because it's not. Working out that great for the NFL because I'm sure they're making money. It's fucking freaking air in my mouth. Mm-hmm. Got it. Uh, I I now listen. This will sound bad, but like the NFL has a lot of troublemakers. The NBA yeah. has a lot of troublemakers. I don't think the NBA has as many troublemakers as the NFL does. They don't go that hard. Well, not, I mean, one not, of the reasons is purely just numbers. They're not constantly getting drunk and running people over with their cars. They don't seem to be the rapists that the NFL players are, um, but they they like to party. Mm-hmm. They like to get out, and I think like a place like Vegas will enable them too hard. It will, but as long as you understand this kind of stuff, I'm sure to be profitable. I, as long as you understand this kind of stuff and you can manage around it, you will be okay. So mm. have an eye for. When you're drafting, care about character a little bit more and try to rely on veteran players more. And like I said, it's going to be a super attractive market for free agents to come to Vegas. I feel like building your team. I feel like if you have the to... The NBA ca- is very different than everything else. No, I, but you have to, if you have to care too much about getting players for your city, that's a problem. And here's the thing. That's a problem for teams like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Can you Can you deal with these bright lights? But that's different than like, is he going to behave each and every day? That's mm. that's different. But when when someone's a veteran and they've been around the league and they're a star like that, I think you feel a little bit more. Yeah, short. James Harden. James Harden's calmed way down, right? I mean, listen, Kevin Durant's calmed down as he's gotten older. At least Durant's about basketball. Durant ain't getting a bunch of trouble <laughs> off the court. Harden, Harden is a partier and all that. At least he hasn't done anything awful. But yes, James Harden has come out yet. James Harden is someone that you need to be aware of. That if you owned a franchise in Vegas, that you probably <laughs> don't, don't want, want anything. To you do probably don't want James Harden. <laughs> you need someone who cares about basketball a little bit more than Harden. I guess I'd take this uh, Celtics team in Vegas. But honestly, like you think you can find all these players? To constantly go to get a good Vegas team? Obviously, like, you can't constantly have a good team. Every team's going to have their lows and have to go through a rebuild. All I'm saying is I don't think it would be – I, I don't think it would be – it would take as long as, as you think. I Draft. Mean, I think it will be profitable. Decent core, and once you need that guy, like you always need in the NBA, 
You are Listen, at a place that'll be super attractive. I just for think, free agents. I think it'll be profitable. All that stuff. You can. I'm sure you can make a good team there and whatnot. You can make a good team anywhere if you have the drive and the knowledge. But I just think it'll be more trouble than it is worth, given the location and how these players like to act. Yeah, but I think you're thinking things too much NFL. I don't hear about a ton of NBA guys getting in that much trouble. They love the strip club. They do love the strip club, okay? Where, wherever okay, the listen, All-Star game listen. is, they make, the strip clubs make a huge profit. Listen, but here's what I'm saying. Is focus going to be an issue? Yes. But, to be honest, is focus as big a deal in the NBA as it would be in the NFL? Absolutely not. I... If you have the talent, you can work through it in the NBA. You really can. I mean, come on. Did you watch the Bulls series? Dennis Rodman's off doing pro wrestling in the middle of the finals. <laughs> like, come on, man. And and the NBA is talent more than anything else. And the NFL. Cost. And the NFL, you cannot overcome that. The Raiders have problems that are absolutely an issue okay. as far as when it comes to being a championship caliber 99 team, being in a place like Vegas. But NBA, dude, you can be distracted as you want. If you're talented enough, it's fine. Okay. 99% of teams in the NBA could not have overcome what Dennis Rodman was doing. <laughs> but they had Michael Jordan. Okay. That's it. And they had what's it, Phil Jackson as the coach. What if you had Giannis? No. What if you can't had o- can't overcome that? What if you had LeBron? Can't overcome that. Okay, I'm not saying it has to be as bad as Rodman, but like in the NBA you can get past that stuff more than you can in the NFL. You can. LeBron has the emotional fortitude to get past something like a Dennis Rodman. No. I mean he won with Kyrie. Okay, it's not as bad. <laughs> Kyrie shows up. Does he anymore? He shows up to the games. He kind of doesn't. He at least he he is present in the building sometimes. He is physically in the building. I mean, Dennis Rodman <laughs> was there for all the games, and they gave him like two weeks off to just go somewhere. <laughs> well, that wasn't the playoffs. Still, <laughs> well, actually, actually, no, they gave him like two days, and he took like a week. A, yeah, but. And then so, they had to go get him. So you don't think that it would be a home run in Vegas? No. I'm telling you, dude, market, money. I think it would be a PR changing. disaster. Free agents. It will be a home run. It I think it will be a PR instantly. disaster. The only issue is, can LeBron keep his hands off? Who are you moving to Vegas? I don't know. Maybe they open up a new team. I mean, come well, on, dude. you got to open up a second new team. Or get sack. Come on, there's a bunch of places that you could just move at this point. Get, no one cares about Sacramento. Get them out of there and move them to Vegas. The Vegas Kings? That's the, lame. The Vegas. Oh, you can change the name That's if you lame. want. That's a lame name. They're going to keep it, though, because LeBron, you know, King. The Vegas Pelicans. You could move New Orleans to <laughs> Vegas. It's a terrible name. It is a terrible name. I'm sure they would listen. No team in Vegas is going to be called the Pelicans. They'll change the Vegas name. Golden Knights. I'm sure, like all these leagues, probably not. Maybe not. Actually, maybe the MLB because there's talks of the A's going to Vegas. Ah, uh, well, listen, that's going to be a topic on a show. We're going to uh, talk about where the A's need to move to because enough already. MLB, the A's are. It's it's like a Triple A squad all the time. Well, I bet all these every le- three years <clears throat> the Athletics become a Triple A squad. Well, I bet I bet uh, all these leagues are so happy the NHL bit the bullet and gave it a shot. Oh, oh I'm sure they because are. Because it was an immediate success for the NHL. Oh, it has been. Everyone made fun of them so hard, <laughs> and it was 
one of the smartest things the NHL has done in decades. Yes. I'm telling you, an NBA franchise would be <sighs> a home run. LeBron is culture of the LeBron NHL is, is com- LeBron. I'll give him credit on this one. He's completely on the right track here. Mm. It would be an instant success. He will surpass Michael Jordan within three years do you consider, as being a better NBA owner if he had a team in do Vegas. Do you consider the Raiders a success? Yes. I don't know. Their, yeah. P- their PR has been terrible. Uh, their PR has been pretty and awful. And the thing. Part of that was just Gruden being a racist a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. So that's not Vegas' fault. That's not the city's fault at all. But... Like, can I, I let me push back on on the Raider one at least a little bit. The Raiders brand has always been though <laughs> like crazy sort of like I guess. like uh, just a bad PR waiting to happen. I guess. But that's the brand at this point. So if anyone was going to make it work, the Raiders make sense for Vegas. Mm. Mm. I guess. Also, I feel like what Deshaun at this point has done. A huge service to anyone with bad PR in the NFL to just take all the limelight. Yeah, I'm sure Henry oh. Ruggs is loving that he's not getting publicity in his cell. Well, not Ruggs, but I mean, <laughs> as, as far as for the franchise. Sure. <laughs> so, all right. And the NFL is just so rich at this point, it doesn't even matter anymore. Mm. But, all right, we need to wrap this up. No, we do. We, we do. We do. All right. So we're going to take one last quick break before we get into some golf talk. Oh, yeah, we're going to talk golf. <laughs> yeah. So stick with us, guys. And then our Tommy report in Darwin, as always. Back, guys, getting ready to wrap things up here with our Tommy and Darwin, as always. But before that, hard to not go in the political territory. I feel like a little bit on this one, but it's big news. It's big money. I don't watch it all that much. I'll be honest. <laughs> I don't watch at all. <laughs> but they make a lot of money, at least the top end ones, though. And it's a huge, we have a challenge to the PGA Tour and the ones who always have run golf. So. Live Golf, a number of notable people going over there, the PGA, whining about it and banning them afterwards. Jesse, the Live Golf situation, let's talk about this. Okay. I mean, I don't care about golf. I know very little about golf. I mean, I know the names. It's a guy named Tiger Woods. I've heard of him a couple times. Uh-huh. Rory McIlroy. I've heard of him. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau. Is that mm-hmm. his name? Yes. I heard he's an a-hole. Uh, for golf but there's been controversy some real interesting news out of golf say it ain't so 
So the basic rundown is live golf. It's basically like out of Saudi Arabia. Yes. And God forbid anyone does business, business with, with the Saudis. Like, unless you're the U.S. government. Yeah. <laughs> and like, to be honest, as someone who doesn't care about golf, I don't care about this either. <laughs> but the point I'm going to make here is the fact that like, this is not about morals. This is about money. Nah. This is not about the PGA Tour being like, well, we don't want to associate like this. These players are going to go do deals with Saudi Arabia. You mean you mean to tell me the PGA Tour wouldn't do a match in Saudi Arabia if they shelled out enough money? Of course they would. They just don't like the fact that they poached some of their players. Now, here's the thing about all of these players. Mm. Like, the biggest name is, like, Mickelson. Um, but Mickelson sucks now. <laughs> he doesn't – like, he's not – part of the PGA Tour already. I mean he was like obviously he's kicked off now but like no one ever cared about him I think Dustin Johnson was another one but again like these are players that are like they don't make the big bucks for the PGA Tour anymore they kind of washed up they're kind of just looking to make a couple bucks in their twilight years so like I kind of don't care that they're doing business with Saudi Arabia am I supposed to take the moral high ground here Oh, you can't talk to the Saudis. Like, don't, don't do that. I'm gonna stop watching the golf I never watched. Like, I don't care, man. They're gonna make their money any way they see possible. They're go- they'll do it with. They'll do it for Putin if he gave him money. They'd do it for China if they gave money. These are just people. These are just you know the typical out of touch athlete that is just trying to make as much money as they possibly can. So I'm gonna treat them as such. I'm not going to scold them. Like, and like, I'm not going to like take the side of the PGA tour either because they would do the same thing, but they're just mad that they have competition. Mm. That's why they're mad. That's all. I mean, to me, I'm all for this. Cause listen, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm a free market guy. Sure. That's what it's supposed to be. I want competition, right? Sure. I'm, I'm all for free markets. This is global free market, baby. Someone else can play the game now. And listen, if the NBA is going to take a bunch of money from China, I don't, it's amazing how we're not able to criticize that. Can't criticize that. If you do, you're whatever, right-winger, racist, blah, 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 blah. But, oh, no. Don't take money from Saudi Arabia. Now it's finally a huge issue. So if you're going to take a bunch of money from China, I don't care about these golfers taking money from the Saudis. It's, it's whatever. Well, who cares? And you know what? I, I'm, I like it more because, you know what, if, if you're going to do something that might be morally questionable, I don't know if it is, whatever. But at least at least they ain't lecturing the rest of us on how to act, unlike what the NBA tries to do. No. So, no. Nor are they. So I, I'm not going to cry about it. The PGA Tour, what, I mean, they really like, they, didn't they ban them for what? Yes. Just this tour or is it like longer than that? I, I don't know how long it is. <laughs> I, I, I assumed it was like. As long as you're associated, you're with Liv, L-I-V, I don't mm-hmm. know. As long as you're associated with them, you can't associate with us type of thing. That's how I see it. Mm. So it's kind of flexible. Yeah. But, like, I mean, even still, like, don't pretend like this is anything else other than you don't like the fact that your guys are making money somewhere else. Yes. That's Whoa! Great. That's really all it is. Slamming his headphones down in anger. Yeah, I'm so mad about it. <laughs> Screw the PGA. <laughs> yeah. 
It's all about money. That's the only thing it's about. I don't want to hear it. You're just mad yeah. that you have competition. Yeah. And this whole, this whole like, trying... We'll all say you're about free markets and freedom until it comes down to you have competition. <laughs> well, also, they're just they're trying to make it about something that is clearly, obviously not. Like, oh, you're going to do a deal with the Saudi? You would, too. And you know it. It's just you don't like the competition. You don't like... And you don't like the fact that now it might happen that you're going to have to, you know, pay some people some more money instead. Well, also, also you might have to then pay your guys more money. That's be- my point. Because they're like, hey, we I'll can go make... Pay for live. Yeah, we can make more money elsewhere give me more to stay mm-hmm. and they're like oh no you're not happy about it yeah so yeah so you know what reach <laughs> even deeper into your pocket saudi arabia i know you have a lot of money yeah there's a lot of oil money over there <laughs> <laughs> yeah from all the business that people do I, I i think it's funny especially when your own government is doing business with them it's like whatever at this point <laughs> and also like you know and, and, you know, people have to come to terms with this now, and, and the college football has to come to terms with this. Um, the individual now just has way more power than they ever used to with social media and all this kind of stuff. The way sports fans even watch now, if you talk to a lot of young fans, more fans are fans of individual players, even in team sports, than they are the actual brand in teams. So this is the kind of stuff that's going to happen, and they can make money elsewhere. And like with other organizations, because players and the individual has so much more power now, they can make their brand and make their money now off the fact that these players have so much more power now. So mm-hmm. in the age of this, you're going to have to get used to it. Individual players have far more power than they ever used to. Yes. Yeah. All right. We are ready to wrap this up. Jesse, quick Tommy report. What do we got here? All right. This one's bizarre. Okay. Uh, so there was a, I don't know if it was a TikTok or just some video put on Twitter, but Giselle took a video of Tom in his underwear. What? Um, and it, it was just a quick video. He was like changing and just Tom was in his underwear. Uh, looks great for being 49. Um, 49? Yeah, he's 49. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he then went on. He's like, oh, that was embarrassing. He then posted a couple pictures of some models advertising his ta- his his Brady brand clothes. They were in his, some underwear from advertising some jack dudes. Jacked dudes. And then Tom Brady went on and said like I don't I don't remember exactly what it was, but like if this gets like enough retweets or something, like I'll recreate these photos. So that'd be funny. However, what then happened is a some dude, his name is Greg on Twitter at Greg one six six seven six nine three five four twenty. Um he tweeted at Tom, because Tom, if this reply gets 40,000 likes, will you fly me out and hand deliver me a pair of game-worn underwear? Ew! Tom Brady agreed. <laughs> it's at 87,000 likes. No way! So he has done it, and then some. So Tom has to fly this Greg fella out and hand deliver him a pair of game-worn underwear. That's disgusting. And I really hope this happens, because that'll be hilarious. That's so weird. But that has been your weekly Tommy update. Twitter's a weird space. It man. is. It is. And actually, I love that Tom Tom is embracing the social media, and we are seeing a side of Tom that we would never have seen a decade a decade ago. Yeah. Because um, he even even when like, it's not even about New England, it's just he was such a private guy before, and he still is. But he's willing to put himself on social media. He's funny on there, at least. Yes, he is. He's pretty funny on yes. there. Yes. All right. Let's wrap this up. Darwin. He's, he's human. Yes, he is human. All right, Darwin Award. 
Let's go. Drum roll, please. This week's Darwin Award winner is the Boston Bruins. Front office specifically. The front office specifically. For, for what we've talked about before, like doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, uh, that's kind of uh, what the Bruins front office is uh, at right now in this franchise. So, yes. Yeah. Nothing has changed. We're just going to fire the coach again and mm. think that that's going to change everything. Yeah, like I said earlier, it's this boys club mentality. The hire your friends, the keep your friends close, the scapegoating, and just the lack of knowledge and involvement from the owner, the Jacobs family. It, it's 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 too much to handle at this point, and we needed to step in and do something, so we gave him a Darwin. Yes, yeah. You get a <laughs> Darwin. You get a Darwin get. Award for. Doing exactly what Frank, uh, not Franklin. Um, hey, it's Franklin. Who was it? Who said it? I don't know. I forget who it said. I'm going to blank. What did he say? Ah, what did the definition person? of insanity is oh, doing the same thing Albert over. Einstein. Albert Einstein said, "The definition of insanity <laughs> is doing the same thing <laughs> over and over again, expecting different results." And you fired the previous coach because he didn't develop, and then you fired the next coach because you felt he didn't develop. What's the common thread here? I don't know. It seems to be your drafting. Yeah, but yeah. we won't change anybody at the top. No, God forbid we do that. All right. <laughs> Congratulations to the Bruins front office for this week's Darwin Award winner. That has been it for Slow Your Roll this week. Go Celtics. The line is at four. I have no idea what's going to happen tonight. <laughs> I'm not touching it. But all right. It is at Slow Your Roll on Twitter, at Slow Your Roll on Instagram, and SlowYourRoll.com for links for past episodes, videos, pictures, all that kind of stuff if you want any of our content. So thank you very much, everybody, and have a great rest of the